So I wanted to start with an announcement just about uh, River Christian Training uh, moving into the spring and then next year. So um, we're going to move into integrating Life University a little more closely with the River Christian Training classes. So uh, in the past, the River Christian Training has been a four-week class, and so for not all of them, but for some of the River Christian Training classes, we're going to condense it into a three-week class, and then the fourth week will be Life University, and that'll be the practical application uh, sort of panel discussion kind of uh, training. So again, the options would be all the classes are open to the church, but um, if you wanted to just come for the fourth week, that would be the Life University class. So in the spring, um, we're going to do a biblical approach to raising children. And so for three weeks, um, I will teach sort of a biblical theology of uh, parenting. And then the fourth week would be uh, hands-on training. And then we would do that same thing in the fall. In September, we would offer a three-week class on biblical ethics. And, uh, and then the fourth week would be applying that and so forth. And then the, the following spring, the vision would be to do a church history class. And then the fourth week would be more um, connecting what we're learning in church history to things we're seeing uh, today. So that's, that's just more of a move to try to integrate those two trainings a little more closely. If you're wondering how is church history practical, just remember there's nothing new under the sun. And so uh, what, what we'll look at are the, particularly some of the heretical movements and, and movements that have diverged away from orthodoxy and how we keep seeing those over and over. Last Thursday, I had a, <clears throat> a lunch with a friend who I went to school with, went to Wichita State with, played football with, and I haven't sat down to a meal with him since 1980 in the dorms until, until on on Thursday, and he, he called me and said, hey, I ran across your number, can we get, to, get together, his name's Tony, and as we were talking, reminiscing, he just retired, 40 years selling insurance, he's been married 43 years, and been leading a Bible study at his church for 25 years, I grew up in Oklahoma and came here to go to school, and it came up just his story, his spiritual story of hearing the gospel at Wichita State, and and seeds started growing, and then he came to Christ after that. And then we were just talking about where would we be now without the gospel. And uh, I know some of his backstory. So that was Thursday. And then Friday, I had um, an older guy who I had not met before, but uh, he's, com he's coming up for a surgery, had a family member in the church, and wanted to know if I could give him last rites. Um, and so I said, no, but I can share the gospel with you. And so he came, and he's very concerned about his spiritual, the, the surgery is high risk. He's very concerned about, you know, what might happen here in a few weeks. And so he rightly really wanted to have peace with God, so shared the gospel, and he responded that Jesus is Lord, and then we prayed. And so I say that to, to say I've been thinking, we've been thinking as a, as a church staff team, and I've been praying for direction for our church for some time, and 
what's been on my heart for a long time is personally is I ebb and flow when it comes to evangelism and the gospel and I will um, you know I'm, I'm praying about it pretty regularly and looking for opportunities but then I'll get sidetracked by all kind of other things as we all do and then I'll have um, it'll come back around the Lord will prick my heart my friends will talk to me and I'll, I'll kind of start thinking about it again and Overall, what I believe is the Lord wants us as a church to, to, to work together to help each other to stay focused on that and, and not, not to feel guilty that we're not rolling out a new program. Um, you can put the next step in my slide back. We're not rolling out a new program. Really, all we're going to do is we're going to, I think this is where the Lord is leading. He's always, of course, leading in evangelism, but particularly for our community to pay attention because I think uh, it's, it's, it's not ever been harder or easier to share the gospel. But it does seem like something different is happening in culture. There's more students around than we've ever had before, uh, both high school, junior high, and also college. There, there's a lot of bad stuff going on on campuses, but there's also around the country uh, real reports of God's moving on campus. And there's, there's a, God's moving in a lot of pockets. And so <clears throat> what we want to do is just join him. And together, and this is not, again, there's no guilt, that, that's ineffective motivator, there's no, um, there's no new program. We just want to talk about it, and then as I've been praying about what we're going to go to next on Sunday morning in our sermons, for the whole, uh, for a year I've been thinking we're going to Genesis in the Old Testament, so I've been studying that for the last year, and, and the last month it's like, no, we're going to go to John, the Gospel of John. It was fine. I didn't waste my time. It was really good time studying um, Genesis the last year. But um, part of it was, this is where I think God wants us to go. John is one big, long evangelistic track. It's really what it is. And then selfishly, I'm like, okay, I enjoy the year in Genesis, but I want to spend a year with Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to just hang out in John. And, um, and that fits with overall direction of where I think God's leading us. So today we're going to we're, going to, we're really kicking off what's next. Um, we're going to talk about the gospel. And I want to give you just a... We've talked about this before, not with the, the fits acrostic, but these four things have been there. Um, we've talked about many, many times. Um, building trust relationships, friendship. The, these four parts are a part of effective evangelism. Um, always have been, always will be. Building friendships with non-believers where you work, where you play, just looking for opportunities to build friendships. Greg Greer started playing soccer. And um, I said his number, one, his number one goal was don't get hurt. And, um, and he, he, did you accomplish that goal so far, Greg? Okay, good. That's good. That's good. Line of duty. But he's, but he's interacting with, with you know unchurched crowd that he wouldn't normally interact with. But just as you go, um, and then intentionally building friendships, that's always going to be the first part. Identify with Christ early on is always important. As you guys probably know, the, the longer you wait to identify with Christ, the more difficult it can become. And the sooner, I mean, I don't mean you have to come out gospel guns blazing, but just identify with Christ in some way. You know how much easier that makes the relationship to go. And then work as a team. Um, evangelism is a team sport. Most people who come to Christ have heard the gospel from around seven different people. 
And um, Akil is going to come share. Where are you at, Akil? In just a minute. Are you here? There you are. Okay. I, I, I won't steal your thunder. Yes, a little bit will. How many, how many different people did you think you heard the gospel from? A lot. So, huh? Quite a few. A lot. And so um, he's going to talk a little bit about how people worked as a team. And that's been true in my life, people I've known who've come to Christ. And then the share is this, you know, at some point people have to ask for the gospel. People are born again by responding to the gospel. They're not born again by seeing nice people being nice to one another. But they actually have to hear and respond to the good news of the gospel. So it's not a complicated um, strategy, but this is, if we could start thinking about this, and in and, and your groups and in your life, um, and then just watch where God is going to join him. So, Justin, you're up first. Where you at? <clears throat> Moody? Are you here? There you are. Uh, we're going to go, we're just going to have some, a few stories with these um, FITS. Um, and so, Justin, oh, go back one slide. I'm, I forgot to point out something. I, I, that circle around the whole thing um, is, is the whole thing is Im immersed in prayer. So I didn't want to miss that important. I don't have prayer listed up there, but as you're building friendships, you're praying. You're look, praying for God to give you opportunities. As you're identifying for, with Christ, you're praying. Your team is praying. As you're sharing, you're praying. So the whole thing is immersed in prayer. So Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit about the friendship part? All right. Well, from... I don't know if Ronnie, if you have that slide uh, with Larry. From 2008 to about 2016, I worked for Wichita Public Schools as an assistant principal. And in 2009, uh, my second year in the district, I, uh, as an administrator, I was um, deployed to Iraq. And upon coming home, I was immediately made aware that my um, that my job as an assistant principal was, was not going in a way that others were, were wanting it to go. And it was a very difficult and very humiliating time in my career. And so fast forward to 2010, I was given the option to either stay where I was at or go to another building that I uh, would not be of my choosing, to be with somebody that would not be of my choosing, and uh, continue in uh, as an administrator in the district. So Fast forward to 2010, I was, I was matched with uh, a school here in town with the principal, Larry Perlman, who was a uh, well-established principal in Wichita. He was well-known in the district and had a reputable reputation. I was very intimidated with Larry because I didn't know him, but I also knew that he knew me before I even knew him. So I was very intimidated. And the other part of the intimidation was that there was... Uh, zero, there was net trust in the trust bank account. Uh, we were, I, was, I knew that I was starting from ground zero, even in the, in the negatives. And that was very intimidating to me. Six months later, my, uh, the direction of my job and my career took a 180-degree turn for the better. And in those six months, I didn't really change anything that I was already doing. I showed up early, I left late, built relationships with kids, um, observed teachers teaching. And in that time, I got what the only difference was I was sharing with Larry about how difficult that situation was, but how my faith in Christ was informing, informing me and in how I behaved during that time and how I changed my perspective and, and um, how I worked with the difficult situation. That was the only thing that changed. And as a result, Larry shared with me too, 
his, um, his faith, and he disclosed to me that he was a, a Jew, and he grew up um, in a Jewish uh, household, and he talked about some of the things that he did as a practicing Jew, and that, that kind of just opened up everything. Two years later, after working with Larry, I got moved to another school for good reasons, and at that school, at, from being there, Larry and I continued in our relationship. We'd have lunch together, and... Um, I could tell that our relationship was getting closer. And one of the things that happened is we were having lunch and Larry's sitting there waiting for me and um, I kind of looked at him and he said, aren't you going to pray? And um, I'd been inconsistent in praying out loud before meals just because I didn't want to force feed Larry, um, you know, Jesus. And I didn't, want to afford, I didn't want him to have to wait for me. Um, but I could tell it was something he was wanting more of and I could tell he was warming up to it. And uh, so from then on, he's, he's um, waited for me until we both can pray before a meal. And, and so we've done that. And uh, during that year that I, uh, I was ordained here at River, and Larry had brought his family here for the ordination, was a part of that ordination. And um, during that time as well, you can see the girls in the top left-hand corner, Riley and Jordan. But every time he'd see them, he'd pick them up, he would give them a sucker, um, he would engage them, or he would say something silly about me to them, and just always made a point to be intentional with, with my kids, and really made his, um, his life a part of theirs as well. Um, fast forward to several years ago, Larry went through a very difficult time in his own personal life, and he invited me into that difficult season of his life, and I got to pray for him, I got to pray with him, uh, he, he wept a lot which was ironic because when I first came to him, I was the one weeping. And uh, he, he allowed me to um, say some things to him that were informed through my faith and through Scripture, and we got to share those things, and he applied some of those in his life. Um, and to this day, Larry and I are still friends. We're going to get together next week for lunch. Um, he's become instrumental in my life. We... Uh, we still exchange Christmas gifts at Christmas, and I still write him a Hanukkah card with a Christmas message in it. And uh, he is—he uh, will say that he's indebted to me, but I'm indebted to him. And it's been this, this competition of indebtedness, of trust, that we feel like we owe each other, that has really opened the door to share Christ with him on an ongoing basis. So you know the face, and you know his name, so please pray for him as we continue to build on our friendship. So the other thing is about building trust relationships, as you guys know, it's, it's, it's a multi-year project sometime. Like I've said before, when Robert, when Robert um, Donovan came to Christ, it was, it was about 10 years into our relationship that he came to Christ. So, Brenda? Okay, Lily, you want to come on up? So... We got an email at the office this week, so don't worry, it was a good email. So I'm going to read it to you, and then Lily's going to tell us a bit more of the story. So it said, hi, over the past week or so, several moms from River Community have visited our farm to pick, pick pumpkins and hang out with their fellow moms. The women I spoke with were so impressive that it's worth you knowing that you have good people informally representing your community of believers. Awesome email so far, huh? So that just means that in a normal engagement with a stranger like myself, where I was asking them questions about themselves, the fact that they are Christian and attend River Community Church naturally was a part of what they had to say about themselves and their lives. This is good, and it's not normal. 
Well done, River Community Church, for building a community from which women like these would go out into the world to provide gentle, principled testimony. Please be encouraged. Kind regards, Tom Brown, Meadowlark Farm, Orchard, and Cidery. So, so now for the rest of the story, if any of you know that. Some of you young ones don't. Which, do you want me to share the part, the beginning part yeah, of how tell we... Us, tell us about your interaction with him. Okay, so it started, I was there with Andrea, the Fergus, Andrea and her boys, and Rebecca Hatch from um, Orchard, a couple other families from Orchard, and Sarah Scott and her kids, and a couple gals from Heartland, and we were checking, you know, we did pumpkin patch, it wasn't super busy, it was a Friday morning, it was cold, um, and so once we all got up to the pumpkin store to pay, we read a book out front, and he asked us, when Rebecca and I were inside, you guys homeschool? I said, yeah. And I asked Rebecca, neither of us can remember if he asked us if we go to church together or if he asked us how we know each other. So that detail is vague. But we were able to say some of us go to River Community, some of us go to Orchard, a couple go to Heartland. And so we kind of shared that. And can we share the part of what he... Yeah, so then he... Luckily, he didn't say this the first time when, the, when we had any kids around, but then he proceeded to say, I hate church. And I said, well, can you tell me more about that? Why, why do you hate church? And he shared, he, you know, I don't think there's a good reason to hate church, but his perspective was, and I don't know what church he had been a part of here in Wichita, but he said, I just feel like pastors do a lot of work and do all this preparing for message that people don't listen to, and then they just take, take, take like the body of believers. And I then had the opportunity to share. I said, well, my husband actually, he's a college pastor, but he really finds joy in sharing, and he feel like, feels like that's how God um, uses him. And even if people don't hear him or remember what he says, he feels like he's doing what God has for him. And, you know, Rebecca and I both kind of said, we're sorry that was your experience. That's not how our pastors at our church feel, um, so. Yeah, so even though, I mean, it appears that he was a believer, he had had a, a bad experience, and so they were able to go and be light for this guy, and we don't know what the Lord's going to do with that, but clearly he appreciated it, and it was unusual enough to him that he emailed us. And so Lily also had told me that she has some stories with her neighbors. So we're talking about identifying with Christ. So she identified with this guy in a one-time situation, and then there's neighbors that she has longer-term interactions with. So which... Um, okay, so there are some neighbors across the street from her that she has had opportunities to identify with and perhaps share little bits of the gospel with. Yeah, so um, their names are Paul and Laura. They're about our parents' age, and they're super sweet and hospitable. So it was really easy to build friendship with them, but when we first moved in, I think we moved in in May, <clears throat> we kind of would meet people around, and then I think it was that first Christmas we took cookies and like had a verse or something on it. So that was an easy way to identify, but through relationship, um, like we've had them in our home, um, you know, the what Terry says about Pringles, I think I find myself in conversations with new people not 
not bringing up Jesus or God, but I've really been challenged to, when I am having conversations, say things such as, you know, I'm so glad that God ordained, not ordained, but God planned for this and this to happen. You know, it's what I would say to any of my friends who are believers, but just to say that to someone who may not be a believer. Um, So there's been lots of opportunities. Her and I have both gone through some hard stuff the last few years, and so um, recently this summer at a baseball game, most of the men were somewhere else, and her and I were sitting by each other, and I've heard a lot of her hurt with the church, um, and something else came up that I hadn't heard before, so just listening to that and, you know, sharing, again, my perspective, asking questions, um, but it's just, you know, she, they know Trace works here, but there's been lots of other opportunities to share, like, how our faith um, has transformed our lives, and so just giving us, yeah, we've been able to identify with Christ and then share. So did you all pick up, she said Pringles. Do you guys know what we're talking about there? Spiritual potato chips? I don't know why it's potato chips, but I heard this a long time ago. It's like you just have a little, instead of a trail of breadcrumbs, it's a trail of potato chips. Like you're just dropping little bits of tantalizing things. Maybe that's why it's potato chips, because you can't eat just one, right? And so she's just dropping little bits of truth in there as she has different opportunity. Thanks, Lily. Uh, Trace, are you coming up? You're going to kill. Come on up, kill. Akil's got a job for a month now. Is that right? Working out of a company out of Colorado Springs. Go ahead. All right. So this is Akil. I'll let Akil introduce himself a little bit, but he's going to really talk about that component of having a team of people who are sharing. So he can tell you about, just briefly about the process, kind of the timeline of how you came to know Christ and how many people you think were involved and, and who some of those people were. Uh, so this is Akil. Most of you kind of know me in a way. So but I'm from India, uh, southern part, and uh, I grew up Hindu, but everything changed after coming here. So coming to the question, like how many people involved in my journey, there are like quite a few people involved in my journey. There's several ministries involved, so a few churches involved in it. So, namely, River Community Church is one of the uh, important aspect, and also Mission Church and ministries like uh, International Students Incorporated and uh, Navigators in Challenge. And you told me you think there are probably about ten people. Yeah, about means it might be even more than that. But so there are so many people praying for me. Uh, means I didn't know when I was going through a journey, I don't know how many people are doing, uh, means working with me to get to know the gospel. But once uh, I accepted the Christ, so many people told me, like, I've been praying for you, and I've been waiting for this moment. Like, uh, there are so many people visited my baptism day, and it was so wonderful. Means those are all the relationships I've been building for a while. So, and there was a time when we talked. You talked about in the fall, people were sharing with you, and you weren't really receptive. And then some things changed. So, talk about how you know you changed this, even as people were sharing with you. Yeah. So, I started going to navigators uh, in uh, spring, but before that, 
Uh, I went to mission church like once, but I was not really receptive towards it. Uh, I was in a sermon which I did not really understand it. But uh, I have some people who try to share with me. But means I was from a different religion, so I, I was not really receiving it. But so if one person just shares it, it's not. So even in Bible, we have. We have things like if, one, if we, we don't value the one-person testimony, but if we have so many people sharing the same thing, so it must be true, right? So, yeah, many people told the same thing, and everyone said Jesus is the one, Jesus is the, Jesus is the way, so, and Bible says the same. And uh, so I have to believe it. There is no way I cannot go away from it. The thing that really stuck out to you was the consistency. Exactly. All these people sharing, but they were saying the same thing. Yes, and it's always the God story. God story is only one, and it, it never changes. Because our God is never changing God, and uh, he's the most high, right? So what else would you say to them about the value of sharing in a team, and not just as one individual? So... Uh, so when people were sharing gospel with me, I never knew they were working together. <laughs> so uh, there are some people at NAPS, there are some people at Mission, there are some people at uh, River, and so there are some people at ISI. They were trying to share with me at different situations. But in fact, I came to know recently that I met uh, uh, Trace on Wednesday. We had a uh, like a little meetup, so that we just discussed what we're gonna do, how the thing's gonna work. So I called my friend who had a great uh, impact in my journey. I told him, hey, uh, these people are asking me to answer some questions. What should I answer? He told me, bro, you, know, you, know, you do not know, we were actually working together we were praying together for you to come to Christ. <laughs> I did not know that until like recently. <laughs> so, uh, they have been discussing like, uh, uh, there's a guy uh, from India, his name is David, and Garrett is from here. So Garrett basically don't know how to deal with an Indian. So David knows how to, he's, he's from India, so he knows how a Hindu believes and how it is not easy for them to uh, change everything immediately. So Garrett is working with David, and Garrett is, all, Garrett is also working with ISI in dealing how how to share the gospel with Indian students. But I was spending more time with Garrett, so it is much easier for him uh, to share. And also, coming to the point, so the, and again, I said there are multiple people involved in my life, but there's not, not every person can be in my life like every day, right? Um, so there's a friend on West Side. He was not able to invite me to his church because he's on West Side. So someone has to invite me to the church on East Side, and some people took it took the chance and invited me to River, and I lived right beside this. Uh, I used to live in 21st and Woodgate. It's on 21st Street and Oliver. So. Yeah, so some people cannot do something, and other people can do. And I was on uh, a camping trip uh, in Colorado Springs, and uh, there are a few people at ISI. They took this time, and so 
So it's a one week long camping trip. There's no way for me to go anywhere. I will be staying there. I don't have any internet access, so I cannot spend my time on my own things. So all I can do is talk with people, right? So there are some people, uh, I, can, I think I can name them. Uh, one is Nuvanti, and the other one is Deepak and Krishant. They took this time and uh, they tried to share all about Bible, like literally everything about Jesus, how it is connected to Old Testament, how it is connected to New Testament, like how Jesus fulfilled every prophecy that was mentioned in the Old Testament. Like, man, this is, this is awesome. Means no one can else do this. Means if it is wrong, what else is right? Yeah. So that had a huge impact in my life. And it means within a month after the camping trip, I accepted Jesus. And uh, yeah, I did a lot of study before accepting Jesus. Thank you so much, Kim. So it also um, was costly too, Akil, right? Your family struggled. Yeah. Do you have a relationship with your family yet, or is it good? Yeah, that's good. Um, okay, so share, Robin. Come on up and just, um, so a lot of people, a lot of people here could tell, you know, different stories from building trust relationships, um, making those connections, team, and then sharing, but um, some of you maybe would, we thought would be inspired by just hearing people who are, who are fleshing this out. Robin is, is faithful at looking for chances to share the gospel and taking those chances. So Robin, tell us a story. Well, I work at Embrace, and so it's a bit of a unique situation where people come to us and we get to share. And um, it's a pregnancy resource center slash STD clinic, for those of you that don't know. So the clients that come are usually in a bit of a difficult crisis-type situation. And when we meet with them, we go over a form that, where we fill out about what's going on with them physically, emotionally, and then also spiritually, because we believe those three are intertwined. And so when I first started, I was a volunteer, and I would just observe the other advocates meeting with clients, and I would be thinking, oh, man, I cannot do this, because we, our goal is to have a spiritual conversation with each person and then hopefully get to share the gospel, um, but we do it permission-based. We never force anybody to hear. And so I was listening and learning, and then within a few weeks, it was time for me to start out on my own. And so I had my first client. And I had a client advocate come with me just for support in case I needed help. And she was, uh, had been there a long time, very experienced. And so that made me triply nervous, just having her sitting there watching me. And so I went over the, the information on the forum, and then we got to the spiritual part. And um, she did um, give me permission to share the gospel. We always ask, what are your spiritual beliefs? What's your spiritual background? Give them a chance to talk. And then we ask if we could share ours. And so I was trying to share the gospel. In my head, I'm thinking about these tracks I saw when I was little, you know, the bridge and all of that, trying to get out all information. And I did a rotten job. I was fumbling over my words, not saying it clearly. I felt like I was missing half of the information. And she was looking down the whole time, just not engaged at all. And I was like, this is not going well. I'm so embarrassed. And, and then I um, started making it more personal, and I said, 
about how Jesus had really, how my faith had grown and how he had become even more real in my life during times. And one time was a time when we were going through significant marriage difficulties. And when I said marriage difficulties, she looked up at me, our eyes met, and we just had this immediate connection. And um, turns out she was having marriage troubles. So we ended up talking about that. And then we talked about churches, um, how to get involved, getting help with your marriage. And I don't know what came of that. I don't know if she got plugged in, but I do know that was just a step, you know, towards Jesus. And he was calling her in spite of me. And that taught me a couple of things. The first one is that, um, one, it is so good, obviously, you know this, to make it personal and just share, be vulnerable, share your hard times, share how God worked in your life. And I'm sure they can relate to you more often than not. And then the second thing is just that God is doing the work, um, and he's doing it through us and using us, but he's responsible for the results. He does the harvesting. We are just called to obey and plant the seed. And another example of that is um, I had a client where I had to um, do interpreting for a Spanish-speaking client, and it was with a meeting with the social worker. And so I was interpreting the appointment, and then I ended up sharing the gospel in Spanish, which I've gotten a lot better at, but in the beginning it was it was a little rough. And then the social worker asked me to pray for her, which at that time was a little more rough too. And so closed our eyes, started praying. And again, this client was very quiet. She just was not responding. Uh, I thought, I don't know what she's thinking about all of this. She probably can't wait to leave. And um, we we prayed. And again, I just felt like my prayer was horrible. I was fumbling over my words. I could hear grammatical errors, and that bothers me. I want to be perfect in my grammar. And so I was making all these mistakes, and I, I looked up at the social worker, and I was just like, ugh. You know, and, and then I looked at the client, and she had tears coming down her face. And I was just like, wow, I don't know what I said, but God was speaking to her through me, even in my messed up presentation. So just knowing it is all God, it is, it's just our call to obey. And um, I came across this verse in Acts eleven twenty one this week, and it just reminded me of this. It says, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Beautiful. Thank you. I love the, I love the, the story of stumbling and fumbling, and, and God was still at work. Trace, come on up and just Give us some ideas. Inspire us with some ideas. Inspire us. Okay, so we've talked about this four-part strategy. Uh, build friendships, identify with Christ, get a team together, and start sharing. And all that obviously culminates with sharing the gospel. And so I want to unpack that sharing piece for us just a little bit. And I want to talk about three steps to take towards sharing and then give you three methods for sharing. So the, the first step to take towards sharing is to pray. You know, Terry talked about the reason why he put fits inside of a circle is because it, all of it should be covered in prayer. We, we really can't forget what is happening at a supernatural level when we share the gospel and what has to happen for someone to turn away from their sin and follow Christ. And what has to happen is a spiritually dead person has to come to spiritual life. That is above our pay grade. And so what we do has to be covered in prayer. 
One of the simple prayers that I will try to, to pray on a daily basis, and I'll pray it if I'm going into a meeting where I'm going to try to share the gospel, is called a Bob prayer. So the first B stands for a broken heart. God, give me a broken heart for this person, for these people. Give me the sobriety to remember their spiritual state before you and their need for you. The O is for opportunity. Give me an opportunity to share. And then the B is for boldness. When you give me that opportunity, help me to have courage to step forward and begin to share my faith. So that's the first step toward sharing. Pray. The second one is decide. So here's what I've observed in my own life. So I am a pretty high introvert. I am, if you're a flag page person, I'm a peace country, which means I don't like to rock the boat. Uh, and I'm also a bit of a perfectionist. So I, it, if I'm going to share, I really want it to be an ideal situation. So here's what I've observed in my own life. If I go into a conversation and I go in thinking, well, I'll just see if God opens a door. Then when it comes time for God to open the door, I'm like, oh, is that the door? Is that not the door? Is the door wide enough open? Do I go through? Do I wait? But if I go into the conversation assuming that God will open a door, then the very first little opening I see, I insert God into the conversation. But deciding beforehand is what really has helped me over the past few years to have more spiritual conversations. And it hasn't been forced, it's actually been fruitful for me. And so one of the things that helps me is to remember that God wants to be glorified. He wants to be glorified in us. He wants to be glorified through us. He wants to be glorified to the ends of the earth. And if that is true, then we should just assume that it is normative that he would want to open those doors for us to glorify him in conversations with other people. That should just, just be our assumption, that he's going to open a door for us to glorify him. So decide beforehand. I'm going to walk through the door. God's going to open a door, and I'm going I'm to walk through it. Third is bridge. As you go into a conversation, it can be helpful for you to have in mind a question or maybe two questions that you can use to build a conversational bridge to spiritual things. There are going to be some times where you're just going to need to listen to that person and you're going to need to be sensitive to the spirit and you're going to need to just figure out a way in that moment to bridge. But at other times, it can be helpful to have a couple of questions in your mind that you can go to. So there's a few up there. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? Have you ever read the Bible? Do you go to church? And I think if you have a couple of those questions, that you'll find that in just, there will just be natural opportunities that will come up in conversations where you can ask those questions. So tomorrow, for example, some of you may go to work and you may have a coworker say, what'd you do this weekend? And there's a couple ways you can answer that. You can say, well, my kid had a soccer game Saturday morning and then we watched a movie Saturday night so it was a pretty chill weekend. Or you can say, my kid had a soccer game Saturday morning, we watched a movie Saturday night, and then we went to church on Sunday morning. Do you go to church anywhere? Right, so, so there's thinking about, I have this question, God's going to open a door, have this question ready, and then just ask the question. Build a bridge in conversation. So those are your three steps toward sharing. Pray, decide, bridge. Now I want to give you three methods for sharing. The first one is uh, two ways to live. So if you didn't see these gospel tracts, they're on a table right outside the door of the sanctuary. You can grab one on your way out. You've seen this before. We've talked about it on, on Sundays before. We may have talked about it uh, at leadership. But I train all of our challenge leaders 
on two ways to live. And I tell them my goal for them is not to just memorize and regurgitate some material. My goal for them and my hope for them is that they will develop gospel fluency. And what I mean by gospel fluency is that the language, the heart, the core truths of the gospel just kind of live in their head. They understand the language, they understand the key pieces, so that at any point in a conversation, they can step into that conversation and know where to pick up to begin to share the gospel with the person. So there are many different gospel tracks, gospel presentations. There aren't any perfect ones. So, you know, you kind of just pick one because you, you like it, you think it fits. And I like this one. What I like about this one is it's pretty simple and it's clear, but it's not simplistic. I think some gospel presentations can be too simplistic. They don't capture the whole story. So you can see the images up there. Two Ways to Live, it, it revolves around six images that kind of break down the story from creation to Christ's return in judgment in six steps. There's a verse that goes with each of them. And uh, what I like about it is, you know, some gospel tracts will leave out creation, which if there's no creation, then what's the context for sin? Why is sin my problem? What is sin? Those kind of things. It involves creation. The other thing that I really like is that it clearly communicates at the end that there are only two ways to live. And it actually ends with a question. The question that they encourage you to ask is, which way would you say that you're living today? So you can either live with the crown on your own head, or you can put the crown of your life on Jesus' head and make him Lord. So that's another thing I like about it is it gets to lordship. Right? It doesn't communicate the idea that Christianity is praying a prayer, and then you kind of move on with life like normal, that there's a change of life and direction. So <clears throat> a few things that you can do with one of these tracks. I mean, I tell students, my, my recommendation is not walk around campus and hand these out. Uh, that's not bad, right? You could do that. That's not a bad thing. I don't think that's probably the most effective way. Uh, you could sit down with somebody with this tract, and you could just read through it with them, right? That's another thing that wouldn't be bad. Uh, and by the way, there's a, the website up there, Two Ways to Live. All of this information is on a website. So you, if you don't have a track, you could pull it up on your phone and walk through it. But what I encourage our leaders to do is to, to commit it to memory, uh, to put the images and have a verse with each of, each of the images in their brain and commit it to memory so that anytime they're out and about, uh, they can know where to start, where to share, and the core things to share uh, to make sure the gospel gets across. My, my personal favorite is uh, I like to draw napkins. So uh, I will, if I'm going uh, to, this, this happened in the fall, a uh, cool story. I'm reading the Bible with a couple fresh, well, one freshman guy and one junior guy that have never read the Bible before. And in addition to reading the Bible, I wanted to share two ways to live with them. And so I was meeting up. I was planning to meet up with them. The junior said he couldn't come. He wasn't feeling well, so just going to be the fresh, this freshman guy. So I got there a few minutes early on campus. I, went, I was at Starbucks, and I went and grabbed a couple napkins, and I grabbed my pen and put it in my pocket, and we started to talk. And I just said, if you were going to explain Christianity, what Christianity's all about in five minutes, what would you say? And he said, I really have no idea. So then I just said, would you mind if I share with you what I think? And he said, sure. So then I pulled out my pen, and I walked through two ways to live, drew it on a napkin, wrote the verses on there. And then at the end of our meeting, I gave him the napkin, and he left. Next week, we get back together for our, our Bible study. We do our Bible study. We're going through Luke. Toward the end of the meeting, 
this guy that I met with the week before starts digging through his, his backpack. I'm going, what is he doing? And he pulls out the napkin and he says, Trace, you got to tell him about this, right? So you have a non-believer telling me that I need to tell another non-believer about the gospel. So it's pretty cool. God's at work in their lives. Um, so it's a, it's a fun thing to be a part of. So, but the big idea is become gospel fluent, maybe commit it to memory. And the other thing that I have challenge leaders do that I think is it's uncomfortable for them but really helps them is to share it with another believer <clears throat> so I have them break up and practice sharing the gospel with each other and I have the the person who's listening think through what doesn't make sense in what I'm hearing try to think from a non-believer's perspective what doesn't make sense in what I'm hearing ask questions and and kind of have them bounce off each other and sharpen each other so that's the first method for sharing is is a, a gospel presentation you can pick up two ways to live out there. The second one is a personal testimony. So Steve Shadrach says, two of the most powerful weapons God gave us are the gospel and our testimony. Being able to specifically explain to someone how the gospel has personally affected your life is the most practical tool we have in our evangelism tool belt. Friends can question and oppose the various points or verses we may share with them, but they can't refute the fact that our lives have been changed by Jesus Christ. So your personal testimony is a really powerful story that God has given you to share about ways he's brought redemption and transformation in your life. So Rodney, you want to go to the next one? <clears throat> so here's what it is. Pretty simple. Personal story about how Jesus has transformed your life. And I encourage people to hone it so that it's pretty brief, two to three minutes. What I found is if you start talking for more than that, people will probably glaze over and, and drift off to somewhere else. So make it brief and make it relevant to a person's life situation. So it could be that it's a story of how you came to faith, <clears throat> but it could be a story about, you know, if you're talking to someone who's suffering, about how Christ has helped you through a time of suffering in your own life. So make it thinking through what is a story that I have to share about how God has helped me through a situation that this person is going through. And just asking, asking them, do you mind if I share a story with you? Next, Rodney. So three big parts. If you're thinking about your testimony, think about your life before Christ, right? The areas of brokenness, emptiness, longing, Worship of things other than God. What was your life like before Christ? And then two, sharing how you came to Christ, the process through which you came to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I always say it's important to embed the gospel in the testimony. Sometimes we can share a personal testimony and the ideas of turning from sin, believing in the free gift of salvation that Jesus offers kind of get lost in there. So <clears throat> make sure you embed the gospel in there in some form or fashion. And then lastly, talking about your life after Christ, a simple explanation of how God has changed your life, your desires, helped you to grow, that kind of thing. So those are kind of big, three big pieces as you think about sharing a personal testimony to include. Last thing, just some tips here. Uh, give it some thought beforehand. Pare it down so that it's not too long. You, you probably don't have to think too long about it. It's your story, so you don't have to come up with any new information, but... Sometimes if you haven't thought through what's, what are the, the main pieces of this, then you end up rambling on and on. So just kind of paring it down to what are the main points that I would share if, if I was going to share about how Jesus has changed my life. Uh, make sure it's Jesus-focused, not you-focused. So you're, Jesus is the one being exalted, not you being exalted. Make sure the gospel is embedded within it. I talked about that a little bit. 
use simple, clear language. That applies to, to sharing the gospel as well. Just trying to be aware of the fact that, uh, especially the younger generation, the number of churched people that you will encounter is getting less and less. So the number of people who are going to understand even what sin is, right? There's an assumption that a person's going to understand what sin is. More and more, you can't make that assumption. You're going to have to figure out what is clear, simple language, you know, disobedience, rebellion, those types of things that people have an idea what that is um, from even a non-biblical context. And then lastly, include an offer at the end. So just saying something like, you know, this is how Jesus has transformed my life. If you could know Jesus or know God in a way, a personal way like this, if you, would you want to? And just leaving that question open and seeing where conversation goes from there. So you have um, a gospel presentation, you have your personal testimony, and then last thing, <clears throat> last method is just an evangelistic Bible study, which is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It doesn't take a lot of explanation, uh, but it is the most time-consuming one. So uh, those two guys, I told you, um, I met them the first week of school when we were doing outreach. I was playing basketball with one of them. We were both sitting out a game. I just started talking to him. He told me he'd gone to church some. I asked him, have you ever read the Bible? He said no. Conversation continued. The, a few days later, I meet another guy. We're talking. Uh, he told me he'd been to church some. I asked him if he ever read the Bible. He said no. So then I'm going, okay. Let's see if these two guys want to read the Bible. So I just asked him, would you want to read the Bible? Sure, sure. So we started reading. So we meet every week. We read through a Gospel of Luke. I take a total of zero minutes preparing for that Bible study. I show up. We read through the Gospel of Luke one section at a time, a chapter every time we meet. We stop at every section. I explain things to them because they have very little Bible literacy. Um, they ask questions. I answer questions. We pray. We go. We're just doing that week after week, uh, trusting that God will use his word to accomplish the purposes that he wants to accomplish. So it doesn't have to be complex. <clears throat> um, it, it can be pretty simple. Uh, and then once you have that going, if you do get that going, then as you meet other non-believers, you can say, this happened a couple weeks ago. I met another guy, never read the Bible. I said, I meet, I'm meeting with two guys on Fridays to read the Bible. Would you want to come? Sure. Already built into my schedule, right? So, so it's not like it has to be one-to-one. -one. I'm just going to keep adding people. Whoever I find that wants to read the Bible with me, I'll say, here's when we're meeting. Show up then, and we'll get multiple people, if we can, just reading the Bible together. So, so those are some, the three methods that you can use to share. I'd like you, we'd like you to... Jim Lewis, is he in here? Okay, so Jim, you and Brenda, make sure you send out this PowerPoint to all the group leaders. You don't have to do it this week, but if sometime this semester you could just punt on the, on the sermon notes and do this, just talk about this, however you want to talk about it, but bring out these points, tell your own stories, whatever. We'd like you to do that. And then, maybe, and then maybe sometime in the spring, recycle it, just to keep it in front of people. One thing I'll say, and then we're going to spend the last few minutes praying together, and you've got, how many different groups are there? 13. There's 13 groups. 
So we've had people ask occasionally, hey, can we get to know other group leaders and not just our, the folks we're always with? So tonight you're going to pray with people, whoever your number is. So we'll just go like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You can figure it out. Huh? As a slide, do that. Um, good. Okay. So there's a, yeah. So there's 13 men. I'm nine men. And um, so divide up like that in just a minute. But before we do that, go to the, go back to my four pillar slide. I wanted to say real quickly, for some of you, not every, every one of you, but some of you may find it helpful to use the four pillar of resiliency as a segue for the gospel. I've actually found this helpful. It seems like it fits our contemporary situation sometimes. And um, Chris Snyder, some of you guys know, he came to Christ. Um, Trish had left him. He was very undone by it. This is years ago, five years ago. And um, we'd become friends, and we sat down. He was devastated, and I said, okay, Chris, you know you need to stay healthy, resilient. What are you doing physically? I'm doing this. What are you doing relationally? I'm doing this. How you, are you watching your thinking? Yeah. What about spiritually? He said, I got nothing for you. I said, you want some help with that? And he goes, yeah. So we got together and started reading the Bible. And he came to Christ. So I think this fits. This is a, you know, the whole back when I was in college, if you die tonight, you know for sure if you go to heaven. I think that's still a fine question. But it doesn't work as well for me today. But when I talk about the four pillars of health, four pillars of resiliency, and how I'll, I'll throw out, you know, the Department of Defense knows that there's no model for human thriving. It doesn't include a spiritual pillar. They kind of go, okay, you know, what do you got there? So it could be a good way. And you could even say, I'm doing terrible in the physical pillar, you know. Um, but here's, but here's, where, here's where I see how all this works together. So if you want to uh, think a little bit more about that, I've, I can also send you uh, a, a link. We'll send out a link with a document. I've got like a 10 or 12 page with pictures um, document on the four pillars and um, it's got a QR code you can even give that to someone they could pull it up and look at it the gospel's not embedded in that but it does introduce the four pillars so we'll send that out to you as well so um, let's let's see where God is moving and join him and we're going to just pray uh, get in if you can go if you can go get like that in your groups and um, if you can make sense of that and we want you just to pray, um, we want you just to pray for what we've talked about for about 15 minutes and pray for people specifically, pray for opportunities, pray for our church, pray for our nation, pray for the gospel.